I am fascinated, intrigued, and honored you by may the have done what they said you did, but they are magnificent, they marvelous. Are. You need to know that you're okay just the way you are. You succeeded in you as a child. What you've been through matters. This podcast is designed for you. It's Love on a mission hope. in a world that where human experience is lacking. My name is Ginger Wilk, and we're here to talk about that which matters. Welcome to That Which Matters. Today we're going to be talking about hope, a simple four-letter word, hope, that has such immense meaning to all of us in different ways. And when I say the word hope, what does that mean to you? What sort of feelings, physical and emotional reactions arise when faced with that question? Hope to some is a dangerous liberty to explore. Disappointment is more the companion that we keep beside us. Disappointment is predictable, safe, and familiar. Hope, on the other hand, is loaded with ammunition from the sum total of our hopeless moments in the past. And even more so, there are some situations that have been so severe that they have caused our hope in general to die. Hope has been laid to rest and has caused a paralysis of some kind. So the question is, what was the date of the funeral of hope for you? What day did your hope die and you laid hope to rest? That's different for each one of us. What is that date for you? What are those circumstances for you? When hope dies, it can have a lot of different reasons behind it. When we're blindsided by an event or a situation, the death of a loved one, a breakup, a divorce, or the end of a relationship, a severe rejection, the loss, prevention, or roadblock in one's career, incarceration, major illness, exposure to catastrophic events, something that rocks the foundation of our lives falls into that category. It can be severe, and abrupt traumatic moments, or the sum total of many moments over time without hope manifesting. In Proverbs 13 and 12, it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Soul sickness results when we are waiting so long for something. We're waiting so long for love, we're waiting so long to have children, to find success, to obtain friendships that are meaningful, to have health, and to have peace. A tree of life sprouts up when that longing is finally fulfilled. It brings life to our bones. It brings life to us in general when hope arises and manifests into something real. Taking into account that mental health issues are very real and require attention and treatment by a professional for symptoms relating to despair. But I'm focusing more on situational hopelessness, hopelessness that arises because of external circumstances that have gone on in our lives or that have ceased to go on. What is hope? Hope is a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. Also, another definition of hope is a feeling of trust. 
It is not that there is no longer hope in the atmosphere for positive and impactful things to happen, but the feeling, which is based upon our perception, the feeling for that desire and expectation and trust is no longer there. It is our way that we view the situation. We feel like we can't trust that things are going to happen that are good and positive for us. We feel that there isn't any sort of an expectation that's coming down the pike based upon our experiences. And some of the things that we see in certain quotes are helpful to this topic. For instance, Martin Luther King Jr. stated, we must accept finite disappointments but never lose infinite hope. So what does that mean? Finite disappointment means it has limits, it has boundaries. Although it might seem like it's something that goes on and on and on, it has limits and boundaries to it. It's something that's not gonna last. But Martin Luther King Jr. says never lose infinite hope because hope is something that is limitless. It's something that might seem impossible to measure, but it's something that we can grab a hold of despite the situational hopelessness that we've arrived at in our lives. Robert H. Schuller stated, let your hopes, not your hurts, shape your future. That's an excellent quote because it's talking about the fact that our hurts and our experiences carve a path for us towards our future. And if we allow it, that's where we're gonna end up in a place of despair but our hope should be the driving force. That should be our GPS to get to the next place in our life is our hopes and not our hurts. I wanna share with you some stories of situations where there was hopelessness. In 2 Kings 4, 8 through 37, Elisha the prophet went to Shunem and a Shunammite wealthy woman recognized his gift. He was a prophet, so she recognized that he definitely was right on with his giftings, and she recognized his impact. And so as a result, she would feed him when he was in town. She would let him stay at her home when he was in town and just tend to whatever needs he had on his long journey from place to place. But eventually, she had an actual room built for him on the roof. That's how much she valued this prophet, she and her husband, valued him because they decided that they were going to actually build this place for him to come. And so he became very familiar with her especially, but also with she and her husband. And one day, Elisha decided that he was going to investigate a little bit. He started thinking about her and all that she has done uh, for him and for his ministry. So she kind of looked into it. He kind of looked into it a little bit and asked his servant, and the servant came back and said, well, she has no son, and her husband is old. So Elisha asked his servant to bring this Shunanite woman before him and to stand there, and she stood in the doorway, and Elisha looked right at her and made this statement. He said, about this time next year, you will hold a son in your arms. And think about that. What a powerful thing to impart to somebody who has been barren for so many years. 
What a wonderful thing. These are things that some people stand in line to try to get or search everywhere where people have gifts or insight into the future to try to get a word in a dry place in their lives. And here she was standing there before this prophet who she knew was right on the money. And he said, about this time next year, you will hold a son in your arms. And so, you know, what would be the reaction that most of us would think? We would think that all of a sudden she would be jumping and screaming and shouting and getting so excited and starting to buy things and starting to knit blankets for her son. But that was not her reaction. Her reaction was, no, my Lord, she objected. And that was with an exclamation point. No, my Lord, she objected. Please, man of God, don't mislead your servant. Now let's think about that for a minute. He brings her hope. He brings her a word, a prophetic word. He brings her this unbelievable message to a dry, dry place in her life. And her reaction wasn't joy. Her reaction wasn't being elated. Her reaction was, no, my Lord, please, man of God, do not mislead your servant. And I want to tell you that that reaction is actually pretty appropriate for people who have lived through times of hopelessness, for people who have been disappointed, for people who have waited and waited and waited and waited to be able to have that thing manifest in their lives, to watch the women in the town walking around with their three children walking beside them and their baby in their arms, uh, sitting at baby showers, one right after another after another, um, you know, to bring it more into the modern times, going to gender reveals and, you know, seeing things posted on, you know, Facebook or Instagram again and again and again. There's something about those dry places. There always seems to be those events and photos that just stick it right into our faces and, and just show us and mock us, seemingly mock us. See, this one has this, and this one has this blessing that you want, and you don't. And so for her to say, please don't mislead me, no, my Lord, that's the song of hope that has died. That's like a funeral song for hope when you protest something good that has been prophesied or spoken into your life. But despite her reaction, she did get pregnant, and she did have a son just as Elisha said. And so that part of it is a beautiful, beautiful story. It's not done yet. But I want to pause and just tell you, you know exactly what you're thinking about right now, what your dry area is. Has it been waiting for a partner, a romantic partner? Has it, has it been waiting for your financial blessings to come? Has it been waiting to have a child? I know what it's like to wait for a child. Our first daughter it took us five years to get pregnant. And I know what it's like month after month after month when you're faced with the reality that you didn't get pregnant this month. And again next month, another month I didn't get pregnant. And another month I didn't get pregnant. When you're faced with that reality, crying in the bathroom or crying while you're on hinge or crying when you're going to the bank and you have almost nothing in that account. When you're crying for those things, when you're lamenting those things, it's the song of hope that has died. And it's very difficult to be able to hear that there's going to be hope coming. But she did get pregnant and she did have a son, just as he said. 
And years later, her son was in the fields with his dad, and he all of a sudden got this really bad headache. It kind of sounds like, you know, he had sunstroke of some sort, got a really bad headache, and basically the servants carried him into the house, put this son on the Shunanite woman's lap, and he died. He actually died. We don't know how old he was, but it was years later. So immediately, she laid him on Elisha's bed. Remember that room on the roof? She laid him on Elisha's bed, and she went out looking for Elisha. She went on a journey far and wide to find him. And she caught up with him, and he saw her. Elisha saw her in the distance, and he said, Is everything all right with you? Is everything all right with your son? Is everything all right with your husband? And she said, Everything is all right. So in that moment, she had faith that there was going to be something was going to change, that something good was going to happen in the midst of all of her fear. And so finally, when she was able to be with him alone, in, instead of being in front of everybody else, she fell at his feet. And finally, it came out. The bitterness of her hopes dashed finally came out. And she said, did I ask you for a son, my Lord? Didn't I tell you don't raise my hopes? This is what she said. And think about this. Think about our own monologue that's in our head. Did I ask you for a son? Did I ask you for a boyfriend? Did I ask you for this business? Did I ask you for this job? Did I ask you, my Lord? Didn't I tell you don't raise my hopes? That's the bitterness that comes when disappointment arises again, because again, disappointment is that companion. That's the one we're used to sitting with. That's the song we're used to singing. And when we have hope, all of a sudden, this bitterness comes out of us because really the truth is, is that we haven't gotten over the disappointments of the past. And so Elisha jumped on the scene, went back with her. He laid on top of his son, stretched over him, until the boy's body grew warm and eventually the boy sneezed and he awoke and he was raised from the dead. And so I know that not every story ends that way. There are plenty of stories where the person who died doesn't wake up or that breakup never gets reversed or maybe somebody ends up adopting a child instead of having being pregnant the natural way. I know that things are not always perfectly concluded the way this story is, although there was a lot of pain in the middle of this. This wasn't, it was a happy ending, but with a lot of difficult things in the, in the middle of it all. And I believe that God had her go through this whole journey for a reason. God did want to bless her with a son, but I believe that also part of giving her the desires of her heart was exposing the bitterness that had been in there and the doubt towards a God who blesses us. And um, so not everything ends that way, but hope is always something that we can cling to. It's just a matter of what does it look like? What does it, what is it going to look like? Cause it might be different than the way that we're defining it. And so the reality is that our desires are deeply embedded in our hearts God put our desires in our hearts. So, so they're already there. There was a creator that placed those desires inside of our hearts. But sometimes we work so hard to pretend that they're not really a reality anymore. We will spend so much time denying the fact that the reality of those dreams and desires are there. And the truth is some people never have children the natural way. 
they they just don't there's for whatever reason they just never have children the natural way some people adopt some people love on their nieces and nephews and friends children but the desire to love and nurture and parent children can be done in so many different ways part of clinging to our hope is realizing that our desires are a lot broader than what we think where we get into a lot of trouble is we try to put our desires into this very small box and that's where we get tripped up because God knows how to fulfill the desires of our hearts in a broader way for instance I have a sister who got married very very late in life she got married at 50 and had wanted to have her own children and did want to get married earlier in life but she had an incredible ministry and career that took her across the world and she ended up marrying an older man, a wonderful man, who loves and adores her deeply. And in marrying him, he had been married prior, and so she became a mother and a grandmother and an aunt and in an, an, all these relationships that doubled and tripled from what she had in our family. And so her ability to mother has been something that's been there all along with nieces and nephews, but now it's been, it's been expanded. So her desire to nurture has been fulfilled and continues to be fulfilled. So hope can be fulfilled in a variety of ways. I want to read to you a little bit from Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14. And some people are very familiar with this passage. It's about the Valley of the Dry Bones, which is something that's been preached on a lot in churches. And it is about a prophet Ezekiel. And God put him through this exercise. And I just want to read you some of this. Verse 1 of chapter 37, The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was a valley of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath on them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live so i prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them they came to life and stood up on their feet a vast army then he said to me son of man these bones are the people of israel they say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone we are cut off therefore prophesy and say to them this is what the sovereign lord says my people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you will be my people, 
Now that I am the Lord, I will open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live, and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. So an amazing scripture and passage and concept. I mean, what an amazing movie it would be to have this come to pass uh, visually so that we could really see what happens. But the most important part of this is that those bones had a personality and an identity. These were Israelites who were army military people. Like this was an army and Israel was known for its unbelievable military power. To this day, Israel is still known for its unbelievable military power. There was pride among the people that were involved in this army and there was a purpose. But unfortunately, in the midst of all of what they walked through, being you know, dislocated from where they, they belonged and from their identity, their hope ran out. And so this was God's exercise to breathe life into them and to come together again. And, and so a lot of times it takes a lot more than just kind of telling somebody, don't worry, you know, this is going to happen. Sometimes it takes really like working a code, you know, it's literally just bringing somebody back to life in that particular area of their lives so that they can have hope again and that they can be that mighty army and they can return to who they are because that's what God was saying in here. It wasn't just that I'm going to do this, that I'm going to remind you of who you are, but it's also that I'm going to bring you back to where you were. And, and that's what happens when we're in hopeless situations. We're, we're faced with the fact that we lose who we are because our desires and our hopes are embedded in our identity in the way that we were created. So when we get disconnected from that, we lose sight with who we are. And we have to be reminded of our specific DNA and what we know about ourselves and what we know we're capable of. And so sometimes our reaction to disappointment can cause us to not be able to speak. Think about it, God had to speak for these bones, right? The bones couldn't speak. Sometimes when we're going through disappointment, we can't even speak. So God had to take these dry, immovable remnants of a once powerful army and declare life over them, declare strength, declare financial stability, and declare that person's original identity over them. And we as people can help others to breathe life over one another, to remind people about what their desires were, to remind them of what they yearned for. And there's going to be a, a, another episode that's coming after this one about our dreams because hopes and dreams are very intricately woven. Um, but sometimes we can be that person to help one another to breathe on one another. And sometimes we have to do it over ourselves. We have to look in the mirror and declare over ourselves the things that we've hoped for and the things that we desire. And so in the restoration of hope, um, I wanted to just read you from Emily Dickinson. This quote is that hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. And I love that because what it's saying is sometimes we don't have words. When we've been faced with disappointment, we not only can we not speak, but even if we were going to, it's so hard to get it out. It's so hard to get it from the belly of our soul and to speak to a fluent 
manner of being able to declare what we're going through, but it's saying that hope has feathers and it perches in there and sings without words and never stops. So there's hope within every one of you right now who's listening. There's hope. There's hope within you. And it's a song that's being sung even though you don't know the words. And there may never be an answer or a resolution to the disappointments that you have faced, but hope is really broad. I mean, there are definitely circumstances, crises, trials, and difficult times that we have been through in our lives that I'm not going to try to say that uh, it didn't happen or that it didn't rock your world or that it didn't dash a lot of the hopes that you had. I know that those things are true. I, I know it for myself. You know it for yourself. Nobody can speak to that but you. You understand what that is. But it doesn't mean that there isn't hope that is out there in the atmosphere around you, in people around you, in the world around you, despite what you've been through. And sometimes the biggest disappointments and crises that we've been through actually launches us into a place where we can have a greater level of hope for other people. It gets us outside of ourselves and brings us into a place where we have mighty impact. Um, so basically, some of us have had these horrific stories and we've heard about people who have lost a person tragically or lost the ability to walk or function in some way, but they have forged through to find hope for advocacy. That's a big one. For future potential victims, I think about John Walsh, he and his wife who lost tragically their son, uh, Adam, and as a result of that terrible kidnapping and murder that occurred with their son, they launched the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, which is international now and is so key in helping missing children be found, exploited children be attended to, people being arrested that need to be arrested, the countless amount of victims that have been saved and families that have been helped through the pain of one couple. And again, if they never wanted to do any of that, nobody would ever blame them, but they chose to. And as a result of their pain, so much hope came to so many other families. And that's just one of many, many examples. And so hope sometimes can sprout in ways that we never expected. And it can have an unbelievable impact on others. And so Jeremiah 29 and 11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. That's what God thinks about you. His plans are about not bringing you harm, but bringing you hope in a future. Hope is out there. Somewhere out there, there's an animal that needs to be rescued that might bring love into your house. There's a person who's destitute and might need a check to be written from you. There's a person who needs a friend as much as you do. There's a cause that needs your expertise. There's somebody who needs to be hydrated with hope. Those dried and bitter places inside of them those dried and bitter places inside of you or me, God's plan is for that hydration. God's plan is for a hope and a future. And like Elisha said to the Shunanite woman, I say to you, this time next year you will be, and you fill in the blank. In collaboration with IML Productions, this has been your host, Ginger Wilk, with That Which Matters. Thank you for listening.